welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and provide a foundation for understanding it, whether you're actually considering a procedure or you're just curious. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and in this season number four, you'll find a new approach, including interviews and covering a wide variety of subjects. But after you listen to this episode, I encourage you to go back and really explore the previous seasons as they are full of valuable information. You get to pick and choose what to learn about next. Season one covers common aesthetic or cosmetic surgery topics and skincare, while season two explains reconstructive surgery topics. Then season three goes over general questions about plastic surgery. Remember that this podcast reflects my experience and opinion, as well as those of any guest interviewed. It is not intended to provide medical advice, nor is it a substitute for a formal consultation with your physician. So stay tuned for this interesting journey we'll take together in the ever-expanding world of plastic surgery. Let's go. Aesthetic procedures for men, meaning those which are performed purely to modify appearance. Their prevalence has lagged behind that for women, but they have steadily gained steam each year. Especially in our current society, visual first impressions and looks in general have become more important to any gender, so it makes sense to explore this topic further. Now you may recall that I do have a previous episode of Plastic Surgery Decoded dedicated to plastic surgery for men, episode number 17, which gives a nice informative overview of this subject, so feel free to go back and enjoy that. But recently, I had an opportunity to interview a certain expert in the field, the engaging Dr. Doug Steinbreck, and that was too good to pass up. Take a listen as he expands our knowledge of the subject and relays the current advances and trends in aesthetic surgery for men. You might be surprised what is possible. Let's listen in. So today we have Dr. Doug Steinbreck with us, and he is a plastic surgeon with Gotham Plastic Surgery, and he does primarily aesthetic plastic surgery with an emphasis on men's aesthetic surgery. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Steinbreck. It is such a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited about this project, Regina, and and I'm especially excited to be here talking about these fun things today. Yes, this is going to be wonderful. Well, you know, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. I grew up in Iowa, tiny little town, 800 people. And it's funny because when I did my training at NYU, Claudette, she was in the general surgery office at NYU. And she said to me, honey, I have more people in my apartment building than you have in your hometown. So a sort of small town guy (laughs) moves to the big city. Actually did my general surgery and plastic reconstructive surgery at NYU. And then I started uh, in uh, private practice joined a great guy, great partner, a guy named uh, Philip Miller, who's a facial plastic surgeon. And together we set up Gotham Plastic Surgery. And that's where we are right now. And that's wonderful. Well, you know, I I brought up this topic of male plastic surgery, male aesthetic surgery in particular, uh, because traditionally in our society, there has been more of a stigma associated with male cosmetic or aesthetic surgery as compared to women. But that's changing, isn't it? And you've embraced that in your practice. So please tell us, how you became interested in the field, and what percent of your practice focuses on treating men. Yeah, it's exciting in its development. And you're right, there used to be a stigma, but Regina, all that is just gone out the window. It's wonderful. And I'll tell you for a couple different reasons why is, number one, Instagram. It used to be that guys were shy about their bodies, and they didn't take care of their bodies. 
or their face, and then we're we're always trained by our, our fathers and our grandfathers that it's not masculine to talk about such things. But these days, with Facebook, Instagram, guys want to be seen more with their clothes off than their clothes <laughs> on, and socially, we've become a lot more confident, sort of less guarded about talking about ourselves, talking about our private lives, and uh, people have become desensitized as well. Uh, it used to be when you played shirts and skins, like everybody wanted to be on the team that kept their shirts on. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're like, can I be on the skins team so I can That's show great. my apps? So, and uh, TV has reflected that. And the other thing is our culture that has changed with uh, all these sort of superhero movies, mm-hmm. the aesthetic ideal has changed for men and it's not just okay to kind of be in shape. The bar has been raised. Mm-hmm. So men are thinking a lot more about being fitter, having more fit body and uh, looking good. The other thing is in the business world, it's become more competitive and uh, the emphasis is more on having that confidence and that youthful quality that is going to be able to close and seal the deal. Basically how I got interested in it is when I started out, it was just, I'm going to be honest with you, it was crickets. It wasn't very busy. And I think it's that way for a lot of people that start in New York. And so it just took me a long time to get going. And in the meantime, I had friends, a lot of my buddies, a lot of guys said, hey, I've been waiting to have my abs done. So I started a little bit here doing some liposuction for, for the guys or maybe sucking a little fat underneath the neck. Mm-hmm. And then it just progressed. It moved on to that. Can you put an implant in? So pec and bicep implants and then calf implants. And I started ab implants, forearm implants, gluteal implants, and just doing everything for men, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as well as some reconstructive things where we use implants for people that have had injuries or car accidents mm-hmm. or fallen out of a tree and had a neurologic uh, uh, incident. So we also have used that. But the idea was is it just continued to progress. Uh, and then we decided there wasn't really a lot of education for men's procedures. So we wanted to make an educational website. And then that is where men found more information about the techniques. And then I had written a textbook that is the Steinbrook Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. There was so much to teach uh, people. And part of the impetus was that the residents weren't getting it because no one was teaching it because nobody had taught the professors how to do it. So we really wanted to sort of break through and have all these new techniques and innovations and really teach residents so that they start doing it. And that's uh, what really got me interested in the educational side of things. Yeah, such a valuable contribution. And just to clarify, the book is geared towards other surgeons. It's, it's not... for surgeons. We've had a lot of patients that have wanted to buy it, but um, yeah, it's geared for practicing aesthetic plastic surgeons or reconstructive surgeons, as well as educational for residents and medical students. So uh, you're really serving a need for the male population, which may have been a bit neglected in the aesthetic world in terms of promotion of aesthetic surgery and procedures. Are there misconceptions about the field of male aesthetic surgery that you think the public may have? Yeah, there there are misconceptions. Number one, that plastic surgery is all obvious and it's all scary. And I'll give you a perfect example. They just mm-hmm. made, uh, you know, they do these filters on Instagram to make you look young, to make you look old. And then there's another one, how you're going to look if you have fillers. 
Mm. And of course, when you pop it on your face, your lips get blown up like you got stung with a bee. And you have these massive cheeks and it's just deforming and horrible. Very exaggerated. Yeah, yeah, it's very exaggerated. That's not what it looks like when we do filler. We just do tiny bits. We just restore the tissues. We augment things and we make people look nice. If we made everybody look as horrible as that filter, nobody would be in our office. So what's the difference between a computer adding filler and a surgeon adding filler? Exactly. And we know that filter is just meant to be silly and to be passed around. That's the whole purpose of it. It's not real. But it does perpetuate a myth. But that myth is that that all men are going to look like these really overdone Ken dolls Mm -hmm. because those are the ones that get passed around. Those are the ones that become viral on the Internet because they're such train wrecks. And no offense to any of these people that have done it. Some of them have obsessive compulsive syndrome. Some of them have body dysmorphic syndrome. I'm sure you've talked about it on some of your other blogs where they really don't have a true sense of what they are. And some of them just frankly don't care. And they get a lot of views and their mission is to, they don't care how they look, as exaggerated or clownish they look, they want to get as many views on and as many eyes on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. So they, they almost create a character of themselves mm-hmm. or a cartoonish character of themselves. And so that's one myth. Another myth is that it's very painful. We have a lot of newer techniques that help us control that and help us Uh, sort of fast-track people through that. And also, the other mistake or myth is that if you have plastic surgery as a man, it will uh, emasculate you, feminize you. It'll make you look more like a woman. Well, yeah, it can if you do female plastic surgery on a man. So there are a lot of different techniques that are different for men and for women. And so what we try and do is do things that are more tailored in a more masculine uh, way, Uh, and, and that means incisions. I still see, and I do a lot of, we call, we have torso tucks instead of tummy tucks because it takes care of that muffin top on a guy. Absolutely. So guys always have love handles that women don't have such a problem with. And so we do either 270 or 360 to, to tuck the shirt into the pants. That's our torso tuck. But over and over again, I have to do a lot of revisions from other surgeons. So I see over and over again, guys who come in. And they have this scar that goes high up on their thigh, like they're going to go into a one-piece French cut high on the thigh oh my goodness. bathing suit, and they don't. So they just want to wear a pair of jeans when they chop and wood. And see their scar. And they have this scar yeah. that's popping out of their jeans. So, yeah, we, we've moved all the scars around. And there are a lot of scars that men don't mind that, that women do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guys can also, this is my dirty little trick, guys can cover it up with a tattoo. Women do that too. I've seen it in my practice. Women yeah. can do that too. You're right. So those are sort of the misconceptions or myths about male plastic surgery. Very insightful. Now, you have geared your practice a fair amount towards male aesthetic surgery. And so you've built up a following. You've built up many patients over the years. But how much increased interest have you seen in the last few years from the public in general in terms of men who are obtaining aesthetic procedures? Are you seeing a continued increase or do you think it's a steady state and you're just getting more of those patients? That's an excellent question. Um, I think it's both. I think our piece of the pie continues to grow, but I think that the more that I talk about it, the more people do it, the better our patients will be served mm-hmm. and the better the techniques as more people learn will have it. And then more people that find out about it, you know, sort of 
uh, you know, as the water rises, all the boats rise as well. So, <laughs> this is true. so I think that the best thing to do is to teach, get out there. And uh, I'm not worried about other people learning it. I encourage it. I, I'm begging other other surgeons to do it. And actually, at the next Aesthetic Society meeting, uh, we're going to do a long talk about it. We're going to encourage other people to get on board. That's wonderful. Well, as you've been practicing over these years, what do you find are the most common procedures for men, most commonly requested or most commonly performed? Most common for me are the abs. Ah abdominal sculpting and also I sort of developed uh, a technique which I call body banking and what that is is I consider the cells that come out I never throw them away so cells of fatty tissue or the fat cells yeah they're they're called adipocytes or lipocytes that's what the doctors like to call them most lay people call them fat cells so that when you take that out that's a valuable commodity and for the last 50 years the doctors have been taking it out and throwing it in the bucket discarding discarding it but it that is the clay that we can use to make a better more athletic more artistic final product and i think it's so important that i virtually i i would say 99. Five percent of my cases, I almost don't do the case anymore if I, if we can't use it somewhere else, and I do it for a couple different reasons. I think that's wonderful. We do it because I consider if you only remove, you're only doing half the case. Mm-hmm. Because for a guy, I say women, in general, not, I'm not. I don't mean to be sexist. I'm telling you what the patients tell me. Gotcha. Women are interested in four bumps, two bumps in the back, and two bumps in the front. <laughs> of course, that works. <laughs> You can keep this or edit it. I don't care. <laughs> That's fair enough. Men are in, are interested in a hundred bumps. They want six or eight bumps in the front mm-hmm. on their abs. They want two bumps in the back. They want bumps on their shoulder. They want bumps on their chest. They want bumps all over the place. The more, the better. Um, but for that reason, I can create that by just injecting the clay or the cells, processed cells, we call it dry fat, into those areas. And I don't call, I call it body banking because I don't like to call it fat grafting. Because mm-hmm. when you call it fat grafting, then people think of a gooey, buttery, mm-hmm. jiggly, jelly substance up on their shoulder. And it really doesn't act like that. When you put it in, they're structural cells and they're more, they're more like the tone of, of muscle. Um, there's a certain turgor of them that fills up the tissue envelope, mimics muscle, or at least a kind of a swole look. Mimics the contour. Yeah. The younger guys call it but swole. That means on the off season you make gains or you put on a weight. It's not like really defined muscles where the, where the muscle fibers are twitching, mm-hmm. like you can see those guys doing pec dances. It's more of a general um, uh, beefy kind of beefcake muscle. And when we put that, when we do the body banking, the patients love it. But the other reason I do it is not just the artistic side. When I bank it, we call it body banking. So we bank the fat cells on the outside. If we do that, that is your insurance policy because people, and this is true. A lot of people think this is a myth, but it's true. If you don't put the cells after liposuction somewhere, uh, other cells compensatorily can enlarge. So let's say you go to your plastic surgeon, not you, you don't need any plastic surgery, you're perfect, mm-hmm. Regina, but your, your Aunt Susie goes to get uh, liposuction. We suck out Aunt Susie's cells, 
We toss them in the trash. And then a year later, unless she increases her caloric output, gets on that treadmill, or decreases her caloric intake, less ice cream when she watches, watches Netflix, she's going to have, just do the math, it's all about math, she's going to have a net increase in caloric intake. And if those cells don't, those calories don't just pass through you because some doctor in Park Avenue said that you had liposuction. No siree. Those calories, they're going to swim around the body and those fatty acids are going to find new fat cells that are left behind. And guess where they are? In her outer thigh, visceral fat in the belly. So when we do body banking, when we keep it on the outside of the body, um, not only when they, they can have shoulders get wider, their chest rises and their traps pop, but we also, it's your insurance policy, so it doesn't come back as visceral fat or belly fat, body fat. And so that's the other reason. And it's really true. That's why this stuff works. All right. Yeah. Um, and and let me just to clarify, um, so the fat is typically harvested from liposuction. To do liposuction, for the men and the women, we inject what we call tumescent fluid, which which expands the tissues. So that with the cannula, that's the magic wand that you use, we can suck out the cells more efficiently, uh, have less pain, and also have less blood loss. Uh, very little, in fact. And it comes out just as beautiful, creamy yellow sauce. It's just gorgeous. Liquid gold. That's what I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what we call it. Liquid gold. All right. Well, that's great. <laughs> um, now, let me ask you, what categories or types of men seem to be partaking in aesthetic yeah. surgery or aesthetic procedures? Does age play a part or what categories are you seeing? It is funny that you should ask that, Regina, because I've, I've broken that down into different types. Men, and this is one time that I'm going to say, I'm not going to say that women don't, but I'm going to say that guys, dudes, they just want, just tell me who I am and then tell me where to go. Fair enough. So what I've done to make it easy for the guys that have broken that down to five different iconotypes. So we have the male model or the male actor for the LA site. We have the uh, guy next door, you know, married, married to a, a lady, married to a dude, has a family. That's number two. And number three is the bodybuilder. They, they all want different types of surgery. They all want different types of needs, have different types of desires, of needs. They all have different ways that they see the world. The fourth person is the CEO type, the businessman, the Forbes facelift guy. And the fifth one is the, I, I sort of take a play on the biggest loser, that show where everyone lost a lot of weight. But I think they're winners, right? So I call them the biggest winner because they they lost a lot of weight. They won that health game. I don't care about big or small or whatever. You can be whatever you want. We're just talking about health. So they lost a lot of weight. They won that battle. And that's my fifth iconotype. And so I've broken it down. So you just click on what type you are, and then it immediately takes you to, that part of the website, that room, and then has the different types of surgery that most would be attuned or most requested from that specific iconotype. And those are the five different types that we see mostly. That really took a lot of work, I'm sure, to kind of break things down in that way. It took a lot of work, but it really, that's what makes our website maleplasticsurgery.com or the maleplasticsurgerynewyork.com or the maleplasticsurgerychicago.com or the maleplasticsurgerylla.com, all those websites uh, it's, it's two things. It's breaking it down psychologically and usefully 
to what men are looking for and bring it down to the different iconotype that they are. It saves them a lot of time is what they're looking for. And also all the before and after photos that we have because men really, you, you can't just you, talk to talk, you have to walk to walk. So we have thousands of uh, male before and after. Wonderful. I think that would be very helpful, especially just humans in general. You know, when you give them too many choices, it's very hard to choose something. So if you can really narrow it down yeah. to a field that pertains to them in particular, and that's wonderful. Yeah, and you know what? That's 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 interesting that you say that, Regina, because I know when I do my consults, if I gave patients too many options, they feel confused. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I do it, I'm very definite. Also, I've been doing this for a long time, and I know what I want to do. In fact, my patient coordinators are so good that uh, that they know for both me and my business partner. They know uh, what we're thinking before we go in the room, and they say they say they're going to want to do this, that, or the other thing, and then we just go and shake their hands, and that's it. That's great when you really work that well together. Yeah, yeah, but I know that too many choices can really confuse people, so I kind of know the plan, and I say this is what we're going to this is what we're going to do. And, I think uh, it's great. Yeah. Well, now when a patient comes to see you, how do you put? someone who may be apprehensive at ease when they come in for mm-hmm. that consultation. This is what I tell them. I tell them first, and this happens a lot day of surgery, Regina, is people come in and there's the first thing they say is, I'm nervous. And I say, whew, I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad that you say that because that means you're a normal human being. That's a normal human reaction. And and I get nervous between you and me. I get nervous when people don't say they're nervous. You know, anyone that says, I want to hop right up on that table that is not a normal human response. That is a red flag that there could be issues or could be problems. I like to hear that people are nervous. That makes it. But here's what I'd say. I tell them it's normal response. I'm glad to hear it. That means you're a normal human being. But I, I want you to put that feeling of nervousness. I want you to acknowledge it. Do not deny it. Put it in a little box. Put it on the shelf. And I, go, I walk over to the wall. I put it on, on our little imaginary shelf. I put it on the wall and I say, that's there. We see it there. That's fine. Now, that should be 10% of your energy. The other 90% of the energy is you know you need to do this. You have to reset your tissues. It's an exciting adventure. We're going to reset your tissues for the rest of your life. We're going to take the fat cells, put it in different areas. We're going to trim out that extra skin that needs to go. It's left over from Mother Nature that thinks that we all live in caves. We don't <laughs> live in caves. We don't need those fatty spots. We don't need that extra skin. So I reset their tissues. I say to the patient, I know you need to do this. I think you know you're in the right spot. We have a great team for you. For you, I want you 90% of your positive energy to be thinking about the excitement to reset your tissues and have a great canvas, a re- great result that you can now go back and live the rest of a very exciting and dynamic life. Are you sure you're not part therapist there? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a little bit therapist. That's probably that's incredible. I, my minor is was in psychology. Oh, perfect. And, perfect. Yeah, but it's coming to good use all the way through my career. Absolutely. Well, have you noticed are trends changing for the types of procedures that are requested or that are done? Um, I'm, I'm thinking in particular, we, we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but, you know, with social media and selfies and things like that, are you getting more facial requests than body requests? Yes. Or what are you finding? Well, body came with Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, There's, but there's been a lot with COVID, there's been a lot of face. So you probably heard or read about the Zoom face. Yes. And and what's happened with 
COVID is it's sort of like the perfect storm, meaning that people had a lot more time off. They've always been thinking about doing this, working from home. Uh, first of all, they look in that Zoom camera. We all look horrible. And uh, so everybody sees that neck and how, how horrible they look, and they want to do something about it. But not only that, now's the time. They have a little bit of time off. The boss is away. They're away. They can go back and uh, just turn the video off, or they can put on their glasses and nobody really... Yeah, so they can recuperate and not be visible. And They can recuperate and, and get everything done now. So that has been a big addition for FACE. So that's sort of the big trend. The other trend is what we're always trying to do is to make things less invasive, make things smarter as we move along. And all with techniques where there are always new lasers, new radio frequency machines, new gadgets that help us make things safer, help us make things uh, reduce the time in the OR, uh, help us uh, make things look more natural. And all those things to get a overall better, more natural result. And you know, I'm interested to hear more about implants. Are you uh, doing more implants yeah. now? Where in the body are they most commonly utilized? Okay. First of all, I have a disclosure to make. I really think uh, implants are very valuable. Everybody knows about breast implants. Yeah. Yes. Everybody knows. And it's funny because when I'm in the Beverly Hills office. We have these nurses that have been around for 20 years, and they're hot shots. Oh, yeah, I've been with this doctor, that doctor. And I said, oh, really? I said, uh, how many breast implants? Oh, it's millions of breast implants. So many. Well, tell me. Uh, probably three, four, ten, twelve thousand. 10, 12,000. I said, I looked down, and I said, we're putting in pec implants today. Have you ever seen that before? Uh, actually, no, I haven't. We're putting in bicep implants. Have you ever seen that before? Uh, no, actually, I haven't. So it makes me realize... All these guys who are seeing their sister, their cousin, their aunt getting breast implants, they don't realize that they can get bicep implants or pec implants. And it's not necessarily everybody says, oh, that's cheating. Don't go to the gym. It's not necessarily that. It's that I'd like to use implants for areas where people hit a genetic uh, wall or they have an injury or they hit a wall at the gym where they get great shoulder, great response from the shoulders, but their their chest is a little bit out of balance, out of proportion, mm -hmm. and that can help them. Or there's some gentlemen that are born with a disease called Poland syndrome, has nothing to do with Poland the the place. It's just the name of a doctor who noticed that one side of the chest can be undersized, and they're born with mm -hmm. that. Underdeveloped, yeah. Underdeveloped, and they don't want. They go there through their entire life. It's like a woman with breast cancer and not having being able to get it reconstructed, they go, and I'm not, I'm not equating it to okay. cancer. I'm not saying that. No, of course not. But it's still to them in terms of the reconstructive side of it, they feel like they can't take off the shirt when they're at their beach or anywhere else. And also for intimate situations, they feel that's a problem. And we can help them with that with an implant. So because of that, this is dun-dun-dun, my disclosure, is that I really loved a set of implants from a company, uh, and I don't even need to, uh, mention the name, but uh, the old man died. And so uh, sadly, he was a great, great man, a real innovator in that area. And so we, our company acquired uh, their implant company. So when I talk oh, about wow. doing implants, I just want to make it the, the reason why I do implants is not because I, because we own an implant company. It's because I love the company so much. I wanted to make sure that it continued on. And we also wanted to expand innovative products uh, to bring them to the rest of the people. Yeah. Have you been able to further develop some implants and really refine what is offered? Oh, absolutely. We've been expanding on things. And, oh, you're going to love this. Because I deal with men, I realized 
that no one has ever differentiated for implants, say gluteal implants, between a man or a woman. And what we did is we designed specially made implants. This is so silly that no one's ever done this before. So we just, we designed implants that were designed for a woman, and we separated them out for implants that were designed for a man. Well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, women have nice, beautiful, supple, softer tissues. Men have rugged, harder, more durable kind of tissues, you know? So it just makes perfect sense. But I'm not sure that anyone's ever thought to do that before. And I was just like, why hasn't anyone thought? It was the very first thing that came to my mind. Yes, exactly. So there are a lot of innovations. And we feel that the men's area is, is, has huge growth potential. And it came out, sure, I'm an entrepreneur. Sure, I enjoy the business side of it. And I think it's wonderful. And I honestly, any... Uh, I'm just going to be transparent because I just want you to know I'm so passionate about it that any any money that I make, I put right back into it because oh, I want to wonderful. grow and come up with new ideas. It's more of a hobby for me because my day job is is taking people to the OR, but it's I think it's just fun to grow something and um and use your creativity. Yeah, that's creative and to bring more innovative products and services so that surgeons can develop more and better products and better results for men on that side of it. And don't forget, 51% of the population are men. So, there you, go. Uh, you know, I love women, but there are a lot of guys out there that don't realize they think their girlfriend can have a breast implant, but they don't realize the pec implants are even possible. So we're trying to get the word out. Fair enough. Well, just in general, do you find this line of work challenging? And I mean that in a good way uh, and rewarding. What are the things you love about it? I probably said it, this week, I probably said it 10 times, and I'm going to start crying if I talk about it too much, but I, I, I love my job. I love my, you know, I love my patients. Good, good emotional attachment. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I really dig it because I think there's such, there's so many things that we haven't figured out, and there's so many new techniques that we continue to work on or think about and then continue to develop, and I think about the women's side of it, and a lot of the stuff was kind of figured out. Like the golden era really was like the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And I think for us on the men's side of things, particularly for body with all the innovations we have with all the grafting mm -hmm. and all the body banking and all the uh, things that we're just realizing we, that are such powerful techniques mm -hmm. that I feel we're at the golden, a uh, golden age uh, for both body aesthetics and also really for the men's stuff. I think we're in man time. <laughs> in man time, we're about 1973. So think how exciting it is for us uh, who are just starting to put these techniques that were never considered for men and nobody ever figured it out for men uh, that we're having a lot of fun uh, trying to figure it out. So we see a need. We never start with a hammer. We start with a need. Mm -hmm. We don't just start with a tool and this is what we can do with it. We go to a need. Uh, a man needs this. A man needs that. And then you devise. And then we devise it. My patient coordinator, when he started out, he used to come to me and say, you know, you did the abs. The guy wants packs. Have you done it? No, I haven't done it. I'll figure it out. You, oh, his packs are great. Now he has a friend. Friend wants biceps. Book it. You know, figure it. You know, I, I, I do it. Uh, it wants forearm implants. No one's done forearm implants. It's ridiculous. No one's ever done that. 
Well, I I was at NYU Bellevue Hospital. A lot of people. That's the that's a uh, level one trauma center where people who cut off their arms. That's where they're shipped from the tri-state area. So I spent a lot of time my residency reattaching arms, fingers, wrists. So I know that anatomy. I know it like the back of my no pun intended hand. <laughs> so Very good. Uh, had to had to get that one in there. So I said. Finally, my, my patient coordinator at the time, he came to the front of my desk. He goes, Dr. Steinberg, do you do? Uh, forget about it. And he booked the case. And uh, and it's just anatomy. And we figured out it was certain. So forearm implant. You were doing them. Yeah. And so we just did it. And now our company's uh, starting to develop forearm implants. Uh, we're doing uh, quad implants. No, no one's ever done that. We're doing wow. Uh, both heads of the forum, uh, tricep implants, bicep implants. There actually isn't even, uh, no one has the FDA approval to have a named product called bicep implant. How many years for the last 60, 40 years we've been doing breast implants and no one's ever come along and even gotten FDA approval for an implant called a bicep implant. And we're doing all that for all for all those different body parts because we really think it's important so you're starting all that process we yeah and it's a lot of paperwork it's a lot of developments it's 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 some investment um but mostly it's just taking the time to uh to get all this stuff through the fda very good well that brings me to my uh next question which is what do you see in the forefront of the field of male aesthetic surgery what would you like to see in the future is there any direction you'd like it to take Here's what I would like to see. I would like to see men feel as comfortable about it as women do. And I would like to continue to take away any stigma that people have. And I really like to educate because I think we have a lot of really great, amazing techniques. And I think the men in the more metropolitan areas are more accepting of these things. And we've seen it as we go into Chicago, like New York. No problem. L.A., all these people. And I just like to see more and more people outside of the major metropolitan area realize that it's okay to do. And it doesn't mean that they don't love their family. It doesn't mean that they don't love being a man. Uh, it's perfectly, uh, mas- you know, they're still going to be masculine. It's going to make them feel better. It's not It's uh, very safe. Um, and I just like to see on the forefront See, I don't want to use the word normalization. I hate to use that word. But more more of an acceptance where men feel as comfortable about doing it. They don't have to talk about it. They don't have to brag about it. But feel as comfortable to do it as the women do. And they'll get there. I know this is going to happen, Regina, because when I go into the drugstore now, there's an entire aisle of men's product. Oh, just for men. Yeah, they slapped on a black label. And now there's, a, there's an entire men's aisle of everything. Wow, so, that's impressive. Yeah, so, and in fact, uh, uh, Procter & Gamble had me come in and talk a few years ago. It was supposed to be a 10-minute meeting, and man, they peppered me with questions for an hour and a half, which was really, really wow. great. But there's an wow. interest, in the and the corporate uh, sector knows it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little bit ahead of things. We'll get around to it for plastic surgery. That's why I'm uh, educating all the residents and the other doctors, because I know if I get all of them to talk about it, they'll educate their patients in those smaller communities. And that's what we need to get everyone in the world talking about it more. Change the world. Change the world. (laughs) 
Well, thank you. That has just been so informative, and you've been an absolutely delightful guest. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us, Yeah, and we appreciate it. I love the questions. It was a really fun time to speak with you. I'm so excited about this project for you, Regina. Yes, thank you. It's going to be a huge hit. Yes. And uh, best of luck. Thank you so much. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.